not kneel, shall not faint. And where it says the gospel truth of old, I thought the whole time before I looked up the lyrics, it was the gospel in your bones shall not kneel. And I, that just pumped me up. I just want to sling a something across the room or something. But uh, anyway, all right. So we're supposed to do this like 20 minutes ago. If you are first through fifth grade, it's time for children's church. Hey, you can give me something extra for the 15 minutes and 20 minutes. Saved you a little time there. All right, in 1924, Notre Dame played Army. And in this game, Notre Dame ended up beating Army 13-7. to But after the game, a sports writer by the name of Grantland Rice wrote what some say is the most famous quote ever written by a sports writer for college football. And this is what he said. Outlined against a blue-gray October sky, the four horsemen rode again. In dramatic lore, their names are death, destruction, pestilence, and famine. But those are just aliases. Their real names are Struabier, Crowley, Mittler, and Leyden. And what he was referring to were these four guys right here. And Notre Dame's uh, football offense, they had four running backs. And so they called them the Four Horsemen. And that article just exploded back in the 20s. And right after that article was written, they had this famous picture made and put the four running backs on these horses. But there's another group of Four Horsemen that y'all may connect with a little better. And these are the four horsemen of the WCW. And if you don't know what WCW is, you didn't grow up in Pelzer, Piedmont, Possum Kingdom. You didn't grow up in the 29673 or the 29669, all right? The WCW, the world, there they are. Arn Anderson, Ole Anderson. Well, in that picture, it's Lex Luger. And then the nature boy himself, Rick, Jeremy's about to get up out of his seat. The nature boy himself, Rick Flair. And all God's children said, Woo! <laughs> you gotta love rednecks, all right? And y'all know their enemies were Dusty Rhodes and Macho Man the Randy Savage and the Rock and Roll Express and the Road Warriors. And then also one of my favorite wrestlers, Y'all know how wrestlers, they get, uh, it's kind of like a soap opera. Uh, they, it's a little drama, a little middle school girls drama, and they split up, break up, get back together again. Sting was also part of the Four Horsemen. You may remember that. Uh, and then they broke up and he went on the other side. All right? And uh, so Ric Flair, he's famous for to be the man, you got to beat the man that's right and he also said hey i'm styling profiling jet flying limousine riding uh kiss stealing willing and dealing son of a gun Woo! all right i want to flip that up i got to thinking man and you always wonder when jesus you know when you go to a um like a a dramatic play and jesus comes out of the tomb 
And y'all know the, the picture of Ric Flair with the robe on, and he steps out. And uh, you got that audio up. Fast forward 20 seconds, because this is just a bunch of white noise. This is what I picture when Jesus came out of the tomb, this type of music was being played. Also, when I read the scripture... Today when we read our text, let this little tune be in the background of your mind. All right? Kind of picture it. All right. That's good. That's good. That's good. They get the point. If Jesus had the Ric Flair attitude, I think he would say something like this. I'm a water walking, spirit talking. Blind seer, death here. Satan fear, miracle maker, sin shaker. Death defeater, son of man. Woo! All right. <clears throat> so the title of my sermon today is A Man of Sin Carried by Four Horsemen to the One Who Would Rise Again. All right. No, these, the four horsemen I want to talk about this morning didn't carry the football in the backfield. No one knew their name. Uh, they didn't jump off the top rope, slam, pin anybody. Uh, but they did love a man and took him to Jesus. They had compassion for a man and they took him to Jesus. They had confidence in Jesus so much that they were willing to rip a roof off and lower him down right in front of Jesus, so that Jesus could heal him. So if you got your Bibles, let's turn to Mark chapter 2. Now, if you grew up in church, you've heard this story. It's the story of the four friends, or the four horsemen is what I'm going to call them, that took their paralyzed friend to Jesus. So if you've heard this, a lot of times if we're familiar with a story, we'll just kind of not really pay attention to it. So today I just want you to look at it in a fresh way. Uh, I really think that God's got some good lessons in this text for us to learn from. All right? So Mark chapter 2, and we'll start with verse 1. And it says this, A few days later when Jesus entered Capernaum. Now Capernaum was like his hometown during his three and a half years of ministry. Uh, he was born in Bethlehem, grew up in Nazareth, and then he relocated during his ministry to Capernaum. So whenever he wasn't traveling and going and teaching, preaching, performing miracles, he always came back to Capernaum, all right? Jesus didn't own a house. He was the creator of the world. He owned everything on planet Earth, but he did not own a home. The scriptures say foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the son of man did not have a place to lay his head. So he did not own a home, so he stayed with people. Scholars believe that right now in this text, the home that he was teaching and preaching and staying in is the home of Peter, one of his disciples. All right? So the people heard that he come home. All right? So he had been out performing miracles, teaching. They heard that he came back home. He was popular. I like what the King James Version says. It says, noised 
he was in the house. There was a lot of noise in the community that he was back in the house. And I think about for us as parents and families, I think when we got Jesus in the house, there's going to be a lot of noise. People are going to take notice because there's going to be a difference in our home than homes that are without Christ. Then it says this, they gathered in such a large number. So they heard Jesus was in town, the house was packed. They couldn't wait to hear Jesus teach, preach, watch him perform miracles. And it said this, there was a large crowd. Now the book of Luke tells us in this crowd there was Pharisees and there were religious teachers. All right? And that's important. Now Pharisees were, they started off good because they wanted to learn God's word. They wanted to encourage people to obey God's word, but they kind of got away from that and they began to add the scripture, their own law, and they began to add their own traditions and it became about them. So they're in this house and they're kind of jealous. They're in this house and they're watching Jesus with a critical spirit. They're kind of resenting him because of his popularity. Um, and I think it's good. You, like my daughter Addie last night asked a good question and said, Daddy, um, what the Pharisees were doing, they were kind of evaluating what Jesus was saying. What's wrong with that? And I said, there's nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong for y'all coming and fact-checking preachers to make sure that they're preaching the truth. Matter of fact, I think any good Bible teacher invites that. I want y'all to know this. I am, I know this is going to be hard to believe. I'm not perfect. I, there's times where I'm teaching scripture and I may get it wrong. And so I want y'all fact-checking me and saying, and holding me accountable and saying, Rusty, you said this. Do you really, you think that's, that's it? And I, I would love to debate, spar, um, I know those are not nice words, but you know what I'm saying. You come to me in a loving attitude. I think that's good. But these Pharisees weren't there for that. They were there with a critical, resentful attitude where it was all about them and it wasn't about Jesus. Where was I? This is a check. I know where I was at, but this is a check to y'all. Where was I? And, and all God's children said, woo, all right. Um, okay, that there was no room left, even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. So Jesus had a packed house and he preached to them. I find this interesting in the book of Luke, same story. It says this, the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. And I read that and I'm thinking, isn't the power of the Lord always with him to heal the sick? But we do read sometimes in scriptures, there are times where Jesus was unable to perform miracles because of the people's unbelief that he was around. So this tells me right here, there's some people that's about to come into the presence of God that has faith such strong faith, it's going, to re, it's going to release the power, it's going to release the faith that's in Jesus onto them. And that's why it's important, like when we come to church on Sunday, 
We come to church expecting to hear the word of God. To hear a word from heaven. And when we don't come, and y'all, I experience, a lot of times I'll walk in these doors, barely getting here. Um, My mind, you know, the furthest thing is hearing from God. I'm just here. I, I get it. And God in his mercy and grace, I still get a blessing out of it. But compared to the times where I come expecting, confident, I'm going to hear a word from God, it's night and day. It is night and day. So I want to encourage y'all to expect to hear from God. Some men came bringing a paralyzed man carried by four. There's where we get the four horsemen. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd. See, a lot of us, we might would say, well, this is a closed door. Uh, We'll try it another day. This is not a good day. But these guys, it what seemed like a closed door, they said, no, we're, no matter what, we're getting our friend to Jesus. So that reminds me of this. I just have a thought. You may be praying for someone that is far from God, that doesn't know Jesus Christ. And there may be times in your life, you're like, man, there is no way they're going to come to Jesus. I want you to look at the example of these four friends. Don't give up. Do not give up. If, if the band journey was up here, you know what they would say? Don't stop. <laughs> y'all are a bunch of pagans. I can't believe y'all know this. <clears throat> Don't stop believing. Don't give up on them. Don't quit. Keep praying for them. Keep pressing in for them. Because look, their faith, your faith may be what they need to get them through. Your faith, and I'm not saying your faith will save them. I'm not saying that because they got to do that personally and that's between them and God. But they may see something in you that encourages them. They may see something in you that inspires them. They may see your sacrifice and wonder, that's strange. The world doesn't do that, but they do. They seem like they have joy. The world is stingy and greedy, but they're miserable. There's something connected here. And so your faith may be what gets them through. Let's keep reading. So they made an... All right, so... Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. All right? In the east, homes had flat roofs. The roofs were about two feet thick. It was, the beginning of the roof was laid with timbers and then sticks and twigs and then they filled it in with mud and on that mud grass would grow so these families a lot of homes had steps up to the roof and in the evening these families would go out on the roof it was kind of like a deck and they might would eat some families would even sleep because if it was a cool night it felt good it was cooler outside than it was inside and so they spent time on these roofs Some of them may would even plant a garden up there, but they had grass. And so these men carried their friend up there and they said, I got an idea. Let's bust a hole through this roof and we'll just drop them. All right. 
And so when the man was being lowered down, bum, 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 bum. When Jesus saw their faith, so he looked up and he saw their faith. The word there, y'all know English ain't my native language, but I do know there is plural, all right? It's plural. So the four horsemen, he saw their faith. But he might have saw some faith in that paralyzed man, and we'll, we're about to see. Oh, he did see some faith in the paralyzed man. Look what he said to him. Son, your sins are forgiven. And you may be reading that and like, whoa, 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 I thought you have to leave sin. Repent before your sins are forgiven. And you're right. There's no way that the gospel writers would contradict the rest of the Bible. It's repentance. You have to turn from sin and when you turn from your sin and you come to the cross, Jesus Christ embraces you. But Jesus hates sin so much, he knows that you can't live in it and enjoy his presence. And we also understand what our sin did to our Savior. But he tells them, son, in the uh, book of Luke, he calls him friend. In the book of Matthew, he says, take heart. That means have courage. So I have this thought, he showed up an enemy of God. Before he got to Jesus, he was an illegitimate child. Before he got to Jesus, he was so discouraged, filled with guilt, shame, condemnation. But then when he got to Jesus, his status changed to son. He was adopted now. He became, he wasn't no longer hostile toward God, an enemy toward God. He became a friend of God. And no longer would he have shame, condemnation, discouragement because of his condition, his sin condition. He had courage. And you may say, well, he didn't say, Jesus, I ask you in my heart. All right, we'll get to that. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there, and this is the Pharisees and the scribes, thinking to themselves. So they were thinking. They didn't say it out loud. They were thinking. Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. See, these guys were so smart, and what they were thinking is true. Only God can forgive sins. So for Jesus to say this, he is either committing blasphemy or he is God and he's really forgiven sins. Who can forgive sins but God alone? That's true. But what they failed to realize, Jesus was God. See, they were there for themselves. They were there with a critical spirit. They were there resentful. Verse 8, immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. See, he knew what they were thinking in their hearts. He's all-knowing. He knows, he knows what y'all are thinking right now. Like, I wish he would shut up and just get there to take. <clears throat> he knows. He probably knows Rusty didn't iron his pants and they're ring. I mean, he knows what you're thinking. And that's scary. 
So that goes back. Why was he able to say your sins were forgiven? Maybe this old boy couldn't articulate it vocally, but he knew in his heart he came with a repentant spirit that he was turning from his life of sin and he was meeting Jesus where he was. And Jesus was able to say, son, your sins are forgiven. So why are you thinking these things, Jesus said. Then he says this, which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or to get up, take up your mat and walk? Well, which is easier to say? Of course, your sins are forgiven. You can't prove or disprove. If your sins are forgiven, for someone saying that, it's way easier. But it would take someone with authority and a power. It would take God to be able to say, rise up, take your mat, and walk on out of here, paralyzed man. And that's what Jesus, he he asked them that, which is easier. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to this man, I'll tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up. So they're sitting there and they're watching this. This man got up, took his mat, walked out in full view of them. I love what Luke says in this text. He says this, immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on. Think about that. He walked in on a stretcher. He walks out carrying the stretcher. He walked in, look, going to die on a cross. He was dead in his sins, but he walked out full of joy. And I'm reminded of what Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. You think this guy thought about the sacrifice that would be in a cross after what he just experienced? No, it was joy. It was joy. And that's what that song that Miss Jan sung, um, it was, he did not despise the cross, but he saw to the other side. He saw the other side of the cross, the, the good stuff. And that's what this, this guy, he came in, you could say, nailed to the cross, dead in his sins, but he walked out carrying a cross following Jesus. This amazed everyone, and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. Luke adds this, everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe. And he says this, and this is where I'm going to get my points from real quick. We have seen remarkable things today. Other translations may say we have seen amazing things today. You know, I admire these four guys that took their friends to Jesus Warren Wiersbe and Greg Laurie says these three things. These guys, they were concerned about their friend and wanted to see him helped. So just think about right now, who in your life you are concerned about that you know needs help? Number two, they had faith to believe that Jesus would meet their friend's need, but they did more than pray about it. They put feet to their prayers and they did something. And then number three, They worked together and dared to do something different. And see, it takes us all working together, coming together, unified as a church, as a body of Christ, working together to bring people to Jesus.
you know, I'm looking at them right now. Jeremy and Sammy. Jeremy, and if y'all don't know this story, it gives me cold chills. Jeremy and Sammy were childhood, childhood friends. Jeremy invites Sammy to come to church. Sammy gets saved. You could kind of say Sammy walked in on a cross one Sunday morning, but he left carrying his cross. You might could say Jeremy didn't need four other guys, but he carried him in on a mat by himself. But Sammy walked out on his own, carrying his own mat because he had been healed by Jesus. Then he got baptized. And now he's a follower of Jesus Christ. And there's more of y'all. I look at Ashby back there. I, uh, we were at baseball practice a few weeks ago. And I said, hey, I noticed someone. I said, hey, they came to our church the other week. And someone said, yeah, Ashby and Melissa invited them. I was like, wow, that's awesome. Uh, other couples in this church, I think about Steve and Ramona's Sunday school class. And I don't know who the first one was, but somebody invited somebody and then it exploded. And now they're all coming and they're followers of Jesus Christ in love with Jesus. And man, it's just exciting. And it's contagious. These four guys, they were contagious. <clears throat> so here are a few remarkable things really quick that I see in this story that will help us think like Jesus, live like Jesus, love like Jesus, and just be like Jesus. Number one, really quick, we see Jesus... The first thing he did, he had a house packed. He was teaching and preaching God's word. So if God's word's important to Jesus, then God's word should be important to us. All right, I don't even have to say any more about that. Number two, people were attracted to Jesus. All right, as Christians, as followers, uh, the Bible, Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount that we are to be the salt. We're to be the light. There should be an attraction about us. Now, at the same time, we, you know, we're to be full of love. We're to be attractive. But I also know this. The message, sooner or later, it's going to rub people the wrong way. Okay? Uh, and it might not feel like we're attractive. Uh, it, see, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. All right. So I guess what I'm trying to say is this. We can't walk around being jerks about the gospel. We got to be loving. We got to be gentle. Uh, we've got to love people and meet their physical needs. And while we're doing that, we love them like Jesus. All right. And we tell them the truth. All right. And what they do with it, that's totally up to them. If they want to leave their sin, they want to leave their sorrow, man, the other side's way better but that's their choice. Number three, we see these four men, you know who they're imitating? We want to be like these four horsemen, but they're imitating Jesus. See, Jesus displayed a desperation to save us from our sins and what he went through. He was courageous. These men, it was costly for them to bring their friend. I mean, they ripped the roof apart. It was costly for Jesus. They had compassion. They could have, the crowd could have stopped them and they could have stopped, but that compassion kept on driving them. It wasn't about them. Like I said, they were nameless. They were selfless. Number four, meeting physical needs are important, but forgiveness is most important. 
all right? Those four men, when they dropped his buddy down there, they probably were not expecting for Jesus to say, son, friend, your sins are forgiven. No, they brought him there to be healed. They brought him there to be touched where they wanted to see their friend walk again. But you know what's good about Jesus? He not only sometimes gives us what we want, a lot of times, I mean, what's most important is our greatest need, and that's forgiveness. Listen to what Warren Wiersbe said about forgiveness. Forgiveness is the greatest miracle. So when I read that story, if I'm not careful, I can over read over the son, your sins are forgiven. It's just, oh, your sins are forgiven. And then when it gets to the point part where he heals a paralyzed man, I can get excited. But what we got to realize this, forgiveness is the greatest miracle. Listen to this. It's the greatest miracle Jesus ever performs because it meets the greatest need. That man could have limped into heaven if he wasn't healed of his paralysis. But if he wasn't healed of his sin, he could have ran into hell. It cost the greatest price. It cost Lord Jesus his life. It is the greatest blessing and the most lasting results. Listen to this. That man with paralysis, he eventually died. He was healed and he died. And if that's all he got from Jesus, he would have went to hell. But the most lasting thing, the gift he got was forgiveness because that lived on. He was able to be in the presence of Jesus after he died. So never... Never get over the fact that you've been forgiven. Every day we should be thanking God for our forgiveness. Last, uh, last one, our identity changes. Like I said, he came in on a mat, he left carrying his mat. Think about this. He came in dead, he left alive. He came in full of sin, he left full of Jesus in forgiveness. And then Jesus asked this to the Pharisees. He said, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? And of course, we would all say, well, the easiest thing to say is your sins are forgiven because you kind of can't disprove that. And I want to close with this. That was the easiest thing for us to say, but which one was the hardest thing for Jesus to do? See, for him to say, get up, rise up, take up your mat, leave, he had the, the power and the authority to do that. But for him to say, your sins are forgiven, he had to go to the cross. Uh, he had to die a criminal's death. He had to have people spit on him. He had to be, his beard plucked out. He had to be whipped with a cat of nine tails 39 times. He had to carry his cross to the, the point of exertion where he couldn't even carry it no more and they had to get someone else to carry it for him. He had to hang there in humility while they mocked him with shame. He had to become sin. He became every filthy, dirty sin that you can think of and he had to do that for him to look at that paralyzed man and say your sins are forgiven 
And he had to do that for us. If your sins are forgiven, think about everything that Jesus had to go through to do that for you. And here's the good news. He wants to do that for everybody. The scripture says that God's not willing that none should perish, but all come to repentance. And I'm telling you, you leave your sin. You say goodbye. You repent from your sin. You leave it. You come to him. He'll forgive you of your past, present, future. Everything. Your account will say paid in full, debt been paid. All because of what he did for you. So, to forgive sin, you have to fund the penalty for sin. It might be easier to say your sins are forgiven, but it was not easier to do. But I'm so glad he did it for us. I'm so glad he did it for us. And maybe you're here today and you come in on a mat. You're paralyzed. Um, You're paralyzed maybe an addiction or you're paralyzed with uh, sin or you're paralyzed maybe your marriage is... Uh, man, just hurting right now, and you feel like there's no hope. Um, Whatever it is, fill in the blank with whatever you're going through or whatever you're walking through in this life. I'm telling you, I'm confident that Jesus is the answer. Jesus can forgive you if you need salvation. Maybe you are a child of God, but you're paralyzed by some stuff right now. And whatever it is, I'm telling you, you bring it to Jesus. You can, you can leave today. He can say, get your mat, you walk out. And what that's a picture of is this. What used to own you and define you, now Jesus owns and now he defines you. All right? You're no longer a slave to that mat. You can be set free and you can walk around uh, with his forgiveness You're no longer a a beggar, but now you're a child of the king, all right? You're no longer a prisoner, a slave. Uh, Now, man, you are his child. But here's the good thing. When it says, take up your cross and follow me, you went from a slave to sin, and I have no problem with this. I'm still a slave, but now I'm a slave to Christ because he's the best master any of us could ever have. All right? Let's pray. If you need salvation, I want you to come to Jesus today. Lord Jesus, we love you. God, we thank you for your life, your death, your burial, and your resurrection and the power that we have in the cross. God, we're that paralyzed man on that mat being lowered. And God, what good news when we repent, we can hear Have courage. Friend, son, your sins, daughter, your sins have been forgiven. And not only do you care about our spiritual condition, God, you care about everything about us. God, you know the number of hairs that are on our head. Who cares about that? But you do. And so, God, you care. If you care about the sparrow, how much more do you care and love me? And so, Lord, I just pray that we all leave convicted. God, I want to be more like those four men. I want to be a good friend to people. And so, Lord, help me to be a good friend. Help me to really 
care about people so much that I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get people to Jesus. I'm so thankful for people in this church who are like those four men, who are willing to kind of put themselves out there and do whatever it took to bring people to Jesus. May we be that church that does that, that cares about people, that meets people's physical needs, but also their spiritual needs. And God, not only do I want to be a friend like that, I pray you bless me with friends like that, that when I'm down and when I'm paralyzed by things in life, that I got brothers that can come along me and carry me when I can't carry myself. And I pray that for all of us, God, that we'll have sisters, for all the women in here, that they'll have sisters in their life that will carry them and encourage them. Call sin what it is, but in love, but encourage them. So God, help us to be like that. Thank you for this text. Thank you for this lesson. And thank you, God, you just didn't say your sins are forgiven, but you did what it took for you to say that by dying on the cross for our sins. And we love you. Help us to have a great rest of the day today. And thank you. We pray and ask all these things in your name. Amen.